0: Hey, everybody, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Certainty Talks. On this show, we talk about the system that we use to get clarity on our goals, certainty that we have the tools to reach them, and wealthy on our terms by rigging the game in our favor. And we share it here because we want to help you reach your goals on your terms. You've been told to scale by this product, that product, from every which way, often for good-meaning people. So it's not your fault when you look around and you ask yourself, why am I not where I want to be in my business? As our mentor and business partner, Dan Nicholson says, the biggest risk is that we don't get what we want out of life. Got my good friend and business partner here, Mr. Paul Sparks himself, not only a successful real estate investor, but also a certified certainty advisor. And guys, if you get value out of the show, please hit that subscribe button right now. That way we can help more people get wealthy on their terms. Title for today's show is what hoarders and wholesalers have in common can't wait to talk about this but before we do that six word updates what do you got paul
1: well i actually uh have two six word updates all right so we i got a chance to come up with a second one because we had to redo this intro (laughs) thank you manny because you (laughs) gave me a chance to bring up another one that i really like so my first one is colorado flannels are in full force it is fall time the colorado flannels are coming out if you're watching this live i uh i'm get used to seeing flannels here for probably the next five to six months. And so that's, I don't know. I like a good Colorado flannel. So that's my first one. Mm -hmm. Um, but my real one today is realizing that most is rarely best. And, uh, boy, that was something that took me a long time to get over. Um, you know, this idea that more deals is, Mm -hmm. is better or more employees is better. More revenue is better. And I'm not saying that it's wrong, but it's uh, what I found was that just wasn't best for me. It's mm-hmm. not a competition, Paul. Who can have the most deals or the most that that's this, that, and the other. Uh, the point of this game is to get closer over more, right? What you have mm-hmm. got on your shirt right there today, yeah. Steve. So yeah, realizing that most is rarely best is my six word update today.
0: That's perfect. So for me, is remember my solvable problem, right? I wore this shirt. Obviously, today is Thursday. We got certain talks, but also as a reminder. Because right now, my brain is in pure more mode. It is 100% on more. I've got ClosedMoreSales.com. I'm working with uh, uh, Matt and Jordan on installment method. I've got this recruiting agency who's, they're rock stars, and there's like potential collaboration. It's like, no, I I have to say no to something. (laughs) (laughs) I can't, like, resources are not infinite. They're scarce. Why is my brain forgetting everything you and I have talked about every week, multiple times a week, right? We have our one-on-one conversation. We have two whale club series going in parallel. We're recording certainty talks. We're talking a lot about this. Four hours every single week, you and I are talking about these principles. And my brain over here is completely like shutting that all out. <laughs> and, yeah. and it's like, ooh, but what about this?
1: Yeah. I mean, we're just we that's the thing is as as business owners, real estate investors, CEOs, like we are making decisions all day, every day. It just doesn't stop. Mm -hmm. And I don't care who you are. You're subject to your own biases. And Steve and I were quick starts. We I saw that post that Eric Brewer had the other day. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I know, I, yeah, I know a few guys that have a really high quick start as well. And, you know, we're just, we're wired towards more. We're always going to be wired towards that way. So, you know, we have to have ways to check our Mm decision-making filters to process this stuff through. And that's a great lead into the the topic of today's show, which is like what hoarders and real (laughs) estate investors have in common. I think it's hilarious.
0: Yeah. So I guess, you know, what's the problem?
1: That. Well, <laughs> um, have you ever met a hoarder that would call themselves a hoarder? Most of them don't No, right? They don't even realize that they have this. And I think that's what I started noticing. And, and I shouldn't say I, um, we were on a call this week, shout out to Jake McKinney, mm-hmm. because he was talking about a book that he just read by a guy named Michael Easter. He wrote the comfort crisis. I've, I've got that one over there, but he was talking about another book that I think he just came out with called scarcity brain. Mm-hmm. And he was describing that there's there's these two type we're coming. First of all, we're coming for everybody today. Yeah. All right. No, nobody is safe in today's show.
0: So <laughs> he everyone's was about, getting hurt. So we're apologizing right now.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. We're going to just go ahead and pre-apologize for anything that's said today. Um, but he was talking about how minimalists and hoarders actually have the same what he calls a scarcity brain. And, you know, minimalists are operating from a scarcity mindset. Again, yeah, no, no offense if you're a minimalist, uh, but hoarders are also doing this same thing. It's operating from a scarcity mindset. And we were literally just making the joke that real estate investors have a lot in common with <laughs> hoarders. Because what do we do, Steve? We end up getting so attached to all the – we call it naming the puppy. Mm-hmm. Right? You bring all these puppies home. You ever been in a hoarder house? You know what it smells like. It's actually probably more like cats yeah. for
0: hoarders. Always that litter box. That's not been clean for a while.
1: Yeah. Well, we just bought one. Um, I was just at our new flip this morning, and finally it's been aired out for a few days, and mm-hmm. the litter boxes are now out, and all this stuff is out, and so it doesn't smell quite as bad anymore. But, you know, this is the idea of what, is, what does a hoarder do? First of all, they don't know that they're hoarders. They're not recognizing that this is a problem. And they they get attached to this little thing that they bought at, at some yard sale mm-hmm. 25 years ago. And it's got this spot, you know, six feet up the wall in the back of some room. And mm-hmm. I yeah, but I got I bought this thing and I brought it home and I'm not giving it back. And I think the problem that we're gonna really diagnose today is how a lot of us as business owners, and first of all, you and I are probably the biggest offenders. So we're <laughs> not saying we're not this is no judgment here. You know, we do this. We are like the hoarders of real estate uh, as, as business owners. We make this mistake all the time. We bring these ideas home. Well, before you get into bring, all that,
0: let's, let's hurt some more feelings, right? Um, okay. So uh, when we were talking about this, because then Jake McKinney brought it up like how how uh, ho- uh, hoarders and, and, and uh, real estate investors are very similar. Like it really hit home. And I, was, I brought up a couple other examples, right? But before we even get to those other examples, let me ask you, what is the strangest thing you've seen it at a hoarder home. You're like, why is this here? I've got one. And it never made sense to me. What is the strangest thing you've seen? Man,
1: I'll be honest. Like I don't spend a lot of time in, I, I probably just dead things, mm-hmm. dead cats, dead, this, dead, that, you know, Uh, we were at one where like this guy had a porno collection mm-hmm. from the sixties of like, Really vintage, like really well kept and maintained, yeah. just boxes and boxes and boxes. You'll never know corner.
0: when you need it.
1: You so. never, <laughs> I'm like, I guess he missed the, the the fact that the internet's been around for a long yeah. time and now he's like, I don't know what to do with all these things. But
0: so yeah, lots of lots of weird stuff. I bought a home and the strangest thing, because there's an emotional attachment, like you'll never know when you'll need this, right? That's what it comes down to. I believe what it comes down to is I'll never know when I'll need this again. Right? Yeah. The strangest thing I ever found is like, when would you ever need this again, right? was a empty box of Dr. Pepper, right? So they bought like, you know, those eight packs or six packs or 12, whatever it is, that box that you buy a bunch of Dr. Pepper cans. I'm just looking at this in the kitchen. It's like, in what scenario would you need this specifically? Mm-hmm. This used box of, uh, uh, from Dr. Pepper, right? It's like the newspapers I get. That's a common thing, right? Okay, I don't get it, but it's a common thing. Inside hoarder homes, right? Stacks and stacks of newspaper, old clothes, all these other things. These little trinkets you buy from yard sales. Never understood. When would you need this flimsy cardboard box again? Yeah. Yeah. Well. Uh, so so that we do the same thing, though, right? We do the same thing.
1: At one point in time, yeah. it made sense, but
0: so this cardboard box will go right back to it. So the other things we're talking about hurting people's feelings, right? So you see this. Uh, I think a lot, especially for us in this industry, is we get obsessive, right? So, like, I am definitely uh, when I do something, I'm all in. I don't do anything half speed, right? When I wanted to be a professional poker player, I went all in on trying to be a professional poker player, right? Um, when I got into sales, right now, teaching sales, I am all in on sales. I'm reading every book. I'm learning everything I can about sales, right? What did? It, how do? What's the joke, right? How can you tell when someone's a vegan? They tell you. Right? How <laughs> how do you know when someone's in CrossFit? They tell you. So, like what we're talking about with the minimalists, um, like it's just and the same thing with the minimalist, right? How do you know? They tell you. So tell you. hoarders, minimalists, vegans, CrossFit. I'm putting myself in this category. Now, we talk about this used Dr. Pepper box, right? What is that? What are some of those things inside of us for us in our industry?
1: Oh, uh, man, I, I'll let's just start with some low hanging fruit, mm-hmm. um, because I want to turn this into a practical conversation as well for people yeah. to, like, recognize that you might have a bunch of stuff and maybe you're not quite a hoarder, but maybe you could afford to do a yard sale. You know, <laughs> let's get rid of some stuff right. that you're just no longer needing. Because, again, if you say, yeah, one day I might need this, but you're you've got. So first thing that comes to mind is subscriptions. Mm hmm. I can't tell you, every single year, I do this trick. Now I learned this from Dan, uh, Dan Nicholson, author of the book, Rigging the Game. He's our partner and mentor in uh, what we do with uh, Whale Club and all that. And, you know, we have a tendency, just like hoarders, to try to justify why we should keep this thing. Even though you're not using it, you're like, yeah, but one day, maybe I will use it. Mm-hmm. So the first strategy we want to talk about today is, is just let's let's talk about subscriptions and just low-hanging fruit stuff. So one of the things that I learned from Dan is, well, let me actually describe what a lot of people do, is there's, a, there's these apps that are out there, right, that will scan your credit card, and they'll say, hey, you're paying for this, you're paying for this, you're paying for this, you're paying for this. Which of these would you like to opt out of? But if you went into a hoarder and you're like, hey, you've got, like, all this stuff here what would you like to give away what would you like to like put outside in the yard sale? And they're like none, none. of this i would none I'm not giving any of this back i need it you know because mm-hmm. at one point in time i made a decision that i needed this mm-hmm. and i'm just going to continue to you know try to reinforce that so he says don't do that because you're you're relying on yourself to be able to say you know okay i guess i don't need this which is much harder than inverting that mm-hmm. which is just go reissue all your credit cards don't cancel them but go to the bank and say hey i lost the credit card i need a new number because then what's going to happen all these subscriptions all these vendors that you're paying i always joke because we tell people to do this inside a whale club and then it immediately makes a big giant problem for uh my (laughs) executive assistant sonia (laughs) because now she's got to go do all this over again so it's like yeah It is. It does create a little bit extra work, but it's really helpful because you opt out of everything, right? We're gonna give. We're gonna put all of it in the front yard in the yard sale, and Mm -hmm. anything that doesn't get taken, we'll keep. I guess that's maybe a stretch on the analogy, but point being, you force yourself out of all of the things, and then what happens is you get all these vendors who are like, "Hey, Paul, your credit card's not working. We need a new credit card." Mm -hmm. What I found is I was just as lazy. To, like, not cancel it as I am to say, ah, I'm too lazy to, like, put my credit card information back in there. Mm -hmm. And so there you go. You don't need it. So you force yourself to kind of go the other direction. Mm -hmm. And that's the first strategy that I found to get rid of a lot of really low-hanging fruit, stuff that you might be attached to Mm -hmm. that you're just fine. Maybe it's a subscription that you use two months, three months out of the year. I can tell you I did that with, like, Rentometer and like Air DNA, you know, was isn't really using them, but I'm paying every single month to maintain right. it. Or like Adobe, you know, we we only use that a few months out of the year. But again, what happens is now I get to opt back in. Mm-hmm. And they're yeah. happy to take my new credit card,
0: um, they, but I don't
1: pay for the time I'm not using it.
0: So what you're saying is it's the energy to opt out. It takes energy, it takes effort. And for you to opt out a whole bunch of different things, the likelihood of you doing it well, is not very high. But if you just opt out of everything, that's easy. And now you have to opt into things that are painful to lose. And right. you won't you opt, opt into the things that aren't painful to lose. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's like you look at the, the gym, right? Like, I think the gym membership is like, the gym industry is like one of the best industries. Because for you have to quit a gym membership is to actually quit in yourself, right? Like, if I cancel this $39 a month gym membership, That means I am giving up on improving my health. People will not... It's hard for people to give up (laughs) on their health. So just pay it next week. Every time they look at it. Well, next week, I'll I'll, I'll go to the gym. Right? But if you cancel the credit card, you won't feel that guilt where you feel like you're obligated to opt in.
1: That's right. Uh, Because guilt is probably one of the main drivers you know uh i actually i'm on my notes here as i was kind of preparing for this i wrote scrutiny and expectations Mm -hmm. so what happens is hmm, this might strike a chord too uh so i'm in a bunch of masterminds you know Mm -hmm. and i i end up building great relationships with these people I become friends with them. In fact, I would go so far to say, you know, we, we get close and a lot of times they have a product or something that they're offering and I say, yeah, that sounds great. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. And then you start using it for a while and then you realize like, actually, I'm going to try something else or I'm going to, that doesn't work all the Mm -hmm. time. And that was like, one of the things for me was it's hard to tell your buddy, Hey, it's not you, it's me, Mm -hmm. you know? You have right. a great product, but we have to break up because it's not you, it's me. Mm-hmm. It's no longer right for my business. And I noticed that I would drag that relationship on mm-hmm. longer be, just because of like the expectations in the friendship. You know, I don't want to, you know, I, I, that doesn't make any sense. I You shouldn't do that. But then why did I do it all the time? You right. know, I would stay in these things just because I, I didn't want to hurt someone's feelings or I didn't want to have a hard conversation or I didn't want to break up with somebody because mm-hmm. it's so much easier to opt in than it is to opt out right, right. so we've just got to be so careful opting into things
0: yeah so what other i mean we're talking about you know subscriptions what are some other things like what are, What else are we hoarding into our business like a homeowner would yeah well
1: okay so let's talk about a concept this may get uh technical for a second so bear with me and i know you know all this steve but um let's talk about system reliability for a second Mm -hmm. so if you are looking at let's say you've got a business that has two things that need to go right that's it two things is it more likely to go right when you have two things that have to go right or when you have four things that have to go right Two, which is Yeah, because as your system, as you add more and more things to it Mm -hmm. that have to go right, it drives down what we call the system reliability, right? Uh, So without getting too technical and trying to show math and explaining all this, let's just agree that the more things, the more complicated your system, the more things in it that can break. Mm -hmm. So... You know, it's all it's part of the reason why like the newer cars nowadays, like they have all these components, all these electronics, all this stuff. And mm-hmm. actually a lot of that it breaks more off. They're less reliable now than they were a long time ago because there were less components. And of course, there's been efficiencies and things, but um
0: it's actually one of the reasons why I like my Tesla. There's no engine. Yeah. Like what's yeah. gonna break? It's either like the battery's working or the battery's not.
1: Yeah. And it's cause it's less components, yeah. right? So when you have less components in a system. The the same system with double the number of components Mm -hmm. is less reliable. That's what we're trying to say here. And so if we can agree on that, then we can probably also agree that over time, your business doesn't naturally get simpler. It gets more complicated. We tried one thing. Then we're like, ooh, let's add this other thing. And then we, we, we bring on more people and we start going into more markets and more marketing channels, or you've got instead of one flip, you're trying to get to three flips and now you're trying to, again, I'm not saying that building a business is bad, but what I am saying is the more things that you add to your business, the more complicated it gets Mm -hmm. and the less reliable it becomes just inherently. That's just math. That's like how math works. Right. Right. Um, So I think what we're really getting at here is that over time, your business is not going to naturally get simpler. And in fact, that's, we may have talked about this on a show uh, already, but there's a term for this that's called entropy. Mm-hmm. And entropy basically means that over time, things break down. They get more complicated and more, um, yeah. So they don't get simpler naturally. And mm-hmm. that's what happens with our businesses. Over time, it starts out fairly simple. Maybe it's just you making the cold calls. And going out on the appointments mm-hmm. and closing the deals. And you might say, well, yeah, but I, I, have to, I have to scale and I have to add things. And I would say, I, I don't disagree with you. Right. If you want to grow a business, you have to add components. But the problem is, is when you start adding more components than your system needs. And so actually Elon Musk has been talking a lot about this lately. And you and I have been sort of referencing this all the time. The first part about a business is trying to figure out how simple can we make it mm-hmm. and uh, that is what I think we're really talking about today and it, it includes it includes subscriptions it includes uh, people you know uh, members of your team it includes markets and marketing channels and again the more stuff that you start adding the less reliable it becomes
0: yeah I'm trying to think there was something that you went through recently uh, it was a service you canceled because you changed credit cards what was it? Adobe. Adobe. Right? Like, you were trying to use it, like, why isn't this working? It's Like, well, because we canceled the credit card. Right? But the point here is, going back to Elon's quote, it's better to cut too many and realize you cut too much.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Than the other side of never cutting. Right. Because, again, he
1: knows that the fastest, the, most businesses die from indigestion. They don't mm-hmm. die from starvation right they die because you ate too much bad food you've got all these things that and 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 you know we got into a conversation this week with with john heisler and he was sort of like giving case and points around this the problem is i think i I gotta pull up his his six word update this was so good let me read this real quick let's see he says where your focus goes your problems appear Mm mm-hmm I thought that was hilarious because yeah. what he's basically saying is you've got problems all over the place. Mm-hmm. and when you start looking in certain areas of your business, they start you start noticing them. And the problem is that we end up building these systems and we've got all these components, and then we can't troubleshoot it. We yeah. can't figure out where is the what's the root cause? Where does the problem actually lie? And it's because not only do we have inaccurate data, it's A lot of times it's not relevant to actually tell us what the problem is, and we can't take action on it because, again, we don't know, is the data wrong? Is the system wrong? Mm-hmm. Is it the inputs? Like, what is it? And so, again, this is the case in point for as you're building your business, you should be optimizing not for most, not for adding things. It's how do we optimize for the simplest business that we, that we need in order to accomplish our goal?
0: Yeah, I mean, and you go back to um, the, as the business gets bigger and more complicated and entropy occurs, like one thing I've had to do in the last 12 months maybe, and I learned this from Eric Idison, uh, you know, he works with Phil Green in, in San Diego, and it was like, oh, well, I'm going to have to change department hats every one or two quarters. And it's going to sit in that department to figure out where the chaos is, figure out where things are slipping through the cracks, right? Like, I am not, I don't love looking at analytics. I don't, right? But there was like a couple months where I was looking at the the trend lines, right? For not trend lines, the retention rate for all our videos. Hey, these videos have higher retention. These videos have lower retention. How do we make more videos like this that have high retention and other videos that have lower retention? That's, you know, working on the, uh, the, the media side. Sat down with the marketing side. Sat down with the HR side. Sat down with the recruiting side. It's just this, this evolution. But you have to do this if you have a bigger business right you have to figure out where the the, the, the system may be unreliable but if we have a sm- if we're if we weren't such hoarders again like myself we wouldn't have to do this as much
1: yeah so let's give a let's let's talk about an example that's that's good man I, the risk of having this conversation is is saying that you can't add components to your system i'm saying you can mm-hmm. but just don't turn into a hoarder right right we have limited resources. So we can't just keep all of our ideas. We have to give them back and we have to make trades. And so um, when you find a more efficient path forward, it means you can't keep lingering effects from the previous you know, system. So there's actually a, a, a phrase, maybe, maybe if you're listening to this, maybe you've heard of this called Occam's razor. What Occam's razor says is if you're presented with two options, uh, that both accomplish the same thing, you should choose the simpler one. Yeah, choose the simpler one, and that's what Occam's Razor says. Now, let's talk about a let's talk about a system inside of your business. So, and let's just talk about the sales process or like the inbound lead process. So, what happens? You have got marketing that goes out, and this is uh, in. Let's talk about inbound stuff. So maybe it's direct mail or it's. Um, P- uh, ppc or it's um, what am i trying to say radio or tv something like this so marketing goes out so first of all first component is did the marketing go out and mm-hmm. was it all correct there's a lot of things that have to happen with that right is it correct the second thing is if you're like me did you have the right phone number on the freaking postcard because that's another component that could go wrong. I sent, at one point in time, it was like $30,000 worth of direct mail over the course of two months. That just didn't have a number that worked. So there you go. Doesn't matter. The whole system broke because of one component that failed. Mm-hmm. So so <laughs> just a little anecdote there. Then you got to make sure that when they call, they pick up the phone.
0: You got to make sure that when they call, the phone works. Because sometimes even call rail goes down
1: that's right so again that that the right number is on there that the connection is all wired correctly that it's you know going to the inbound person and then that they actually pick up the phone now of course you would agree the more complicated that whole process is the less likely it is to go right yeah. you know um, it may not be as a f- uh, I'm not again there's a reason why cars nowadays are more complicated but more efficient as well. They're also like more likely to break down. Mm -hmm. So there's trade-offs to all this stuff, right? So point being, okay, then they answer the phone. What is the likelihood or the the probability that they say the right script, that they ask the right questions, that they gather the right information. They use the right tonality. They're asking, you know, instead of saying, um, you know, why do you want to sell your house? Mm -hmm. First of all, we never, we never let anybody on our team ever say why, to a seller, because why triggers defensiveness. Mm-hmm. So there's all sorts of nuances to that. But let's say that then, okay, what's the likelihood that they booked the appointment? Okay, great. Then what's the likelihood that the appointment is actually attended? Because we know salespeople don't always mm-hmm. do all the things that they yeah, say. The they likelihood
0: think. is being held by both parties. Sometimes the seller shows up and the, the sales guy doesn't. And the sales guy shows up, the homeowner doesn't.
1: Yeah, exactly. So there's those there's those factors. And then you know, on and on and on. We could just continue to list out all the things that have to go mm-hmm. right in order to get that contract. And what I'm trying to say is the more steps that you add, if you have a zero or a goose egg, then the whole system is done. Yeah. Right. Just like with me, I put the bad number on there or maybe your salesperson doesn't show up. It's a zero. Or maybe the homeowner doesn't show up. It's a zero. Or maybe your, your inbound lead manager doesn't pick up the phone. And now, good luck. We know it takes like an average of eight to ten times to get them back on the phone. And oh, they yeah. went with somebody else
0: i know you feel bad about the the wrong number but that's and even though that sucked it's not the worst offense right because i i haven't seen this in, in in person but i've seen this on facebook right oh, like people putting out bandit signs mm-hmm. without phone numbers on them yeah <laughs> you got a zero in your system in fact we used to
1: have that as part of our intro for for certainty talks right if you could just eliminate the zeros mm-hmm. what would you look like you know what would your business look like well that's the same thing here if you've got all these components and you have a zero goose egg in there, the, the whole the whole system is zero. Right. So what we're trying to say is not that you can't add steps in the system, but as you're adding steps, the focus should be on how do we increase the reliability? Because, again, right. you can imagine if you're paying all this money and you're spending all this time and effort to get your direct mail and all your advertising out, and then your lead manager doesn't pick up the phone, well, what, could, what good does it do? No. So – Point is, is that as you're looking at your business, the first lens should be, how do we make this as simple as possible? Mm-hmm. Knowing that there is some level of complexity, usually that has to be added as you're growing a business, but we want to prioritize over time, realizing like, hey, we don't need that. Hey, we could, we could probably just skip this part right here. Yeah. And if you can remove components of your system, you're going to drive the likelihood of getting the outcome you want
0: up. Yeah. You know, one of the things we do, you know, talking about system reliability, and this is like totally like nerding out, getting in the weeds, uh, wherever we can avoid Zapier, we avoid it. Right. Mm. Cause that, that, it does not have a hundred percent up It's like ninety nine in change. Right. So if we can, if it's a tool where I was like, it's either A or B and one of them does not require Zapier. That could be enough for me to go with that one. We reduced yeah. one thing right in the reliability component.
1: Yeah. That's so true. Zapier is such an offender because it can go down and like you could get an email and it's like, I get a million emails from you all day long. Like you email me constantly. So yeah. I ignore all of them.
0: Yeah, stop emailing um, me and just fix the problem.
1: That's right. <laughs> but but yeah, I, I think you can get the sense if you're listening, why we're trying to draw parallels between hoarders and how real estate investors run their business. Because yeah. we hoard all of these components. We hoard all of these things inside of our business and and again uh we got to get a picture we were joking about this we've got to get a picture of like a, a hoarder a real estate investor mm-hmm. standing across from a hoarder in mm-hmm. a house and both yeah. of them like have no idea that they're hoarders um <laughs> <laughs> you know there's a yeah. meme there i can guarantee it but yeah um, but you
0: know you talk about these like the financial components are cutting things out right if like, like i can say for sure i had moments of anxiety uh, where I'm sitting with my accountant and I'm just staring at the p Like, we've well, got to cut things. There are things we need to cut. And I just look at it. There's nothing I can cut because I might lose because of this. I might miss out on this. Like, it's just FOMO. Massive FOMO. Like, but if I cut this, I might lose this. If I cut, like, you know, like, yeah, I haven't got a lead from that in eight months, but what if one comes from it, right? These are the things I would ask myself so when he when when Jake McKinney said in our whale club call about like you know hoarders and and, and real estate investors saying I was like crap that was me I was looking but what if I need this but what if this happens it's it's just FOMO it's all emotional attachments it's all it is mm-hmm.
1: yeah and let's talk about minimalists for a second mm-hmm. because that's actually a similar thing right they're both operating from scarcity. What causes us to say i don't need i don't I, um I don't know when I'm going to need this, so I'm just going to hold on to it
0: mm-hmm.
1: is also there's a case on the other direction as well where I don't think <laughs> you might have started as a one man band, mm-hmm. you know you're doing all the phone calls, you're taking all the meetings in person meetings, you're locking up the contracts and you're doing all the dispo and all the marketing. I mean that's how a lot of us get started of course, if you're looking for an opportunity to be a business owner. Well, we have to grow that business. Otherwise you're going to constantly be the bottleneck in there. So there is a case to be made that there's this like minimalism is swinging too far to the other direction. Mm -hmm. You know, there has to be a certain level of complexity in order to accomplish our goal, but it needs to be checked. It's this back and forth between, I would rather err on the side of going, swinging too far to the simple side and saying, you know what? We're not going to just cut all this. We have to add a few things back. And it turns out we did need that subscription. turns out we did need that role in the business or that step in -hmm. the process or whatever it is. I think all we're advocating for is we'd rather err on the side of not hoarding all of our ideas and Mm -hmm. all of our things because resources are scarce. And if we tie all of our resources up on things that might be, well, you're not able to properly allocate them to the things that are right now, right? We want to breathe fire into the things that the data shows are working, and we want to cut the stuff that we no longer need. It's or just, can't it's show deep. that we need. Or can't show that we need, and knowing that, hey, you know what? We can always buy this thing again. You can always get that garden gnome mm-hmm. again at some random yard sale. <laughs> I promise you there will be another garden gnome. If you give this one back, it doesn't mean you will never get one again.
0: Yeah, you know, for me like personally, when I'm when I'm going through things to throw things out, the the factor is like how much effort is going to be involved to get this replaced. Right? If it's just I have to just go to Lowe's and buy it, I'll throw it out. Right? Mm-hmm. But if it's like at, it's, it's across the country or it's like super expensive or just yeah. I forget. We'll just we'll just put it over here and we'll just never look at it. So, if you can help me out here, because I haven't read the book "Scarcity Brain" yet, what is that like that thing that makes a minimalist like a hoarder? Because for me, when when Jake McKinney was talking about, it, I was thinking more like the extreme components, right? That's why I was saying like I'm all in on uh, poker. I'm all in right now on close evermore, although I'm violating it right now. I am all in on this, all in on that. So, how is a minimalist? Operating from a scarcity brain,
1: because, uh, and again, I don't mean to like poke at minimalists. I'm, I'm not. This isn't a. This isn't a value judgment. All I'm suggesting is, what he's saying in this book is that they're both operating from a scarcity brain. Right. One is operating from I can't give anything up, mm-hmm. and one is operating from I can't have any excess in my life or any um, anything that would. I don't know. I, I'm struggling to find the language today, but, and I haven't read the book either. This was just Jake telling me this. Yeah. Um, but my point, I guess the point he's trying to make is both are operating from a place of scarcity. Right. Um, and so as we think about our businesses, it's, it's not about maximizing the amount of stuff that you have in your house. Mm-hmm. It's also not about minimizing to the point where it's detrimental to your business. Like, We can't cut out critical components in the process that are necessary. It's about optimizing for the simplest business that we can run that still accomplishes what we're trying to go. Because if the point is that we want reliability – now, I guess – let me just say that. I'm making an assumption that the people that are listening to this, they want a reliable business. I don't know about you, but it's – difficult to live your life when you're constantly worried about are we going to make any money this month Mm -hmm. or not are we going to lose a bunch of money you know it's this is up and down and back and forth and this was this was my life for a long time and this was a lot of real estate investors lives
0: especially the last 18 months especially the last 18 months
1: i think I'm first of all operating on the assumption that what we're trying to build is a reliable, consistent, and predictable business. Something yeah. that month in, month out, we have a certain floor that we know is, is, is achievable at a high degree of reliability. And if, if the biggest risk to your finances is unreliability in your business, then we should be optimizing – for the simplest solution to get there again we don't want to add all this unnecessary stuff that has to go right because it also makes it really hard to troubleshoot when it doesn't go right mm-hmm. so you know you and i we're just big advocates for you can grow businesses but let's do it from a place of raising the floor not trying to raise the ceiling and see how much we can do you know my six word update today was realizing that most is rarely best yeah um I would prefer to have a highly reliable business that has the least amount of components necessary to accomplish the job, because it makes it really easy to predict the outcome and to troubleshoot it if things go wrong.
0: Right, yeah, and you're just going back, right? Like uh, to John's six word update. So what he figured out was most of the system was right. And it was optimized for what the data showed. Unfortunately, one of the data that was reporting was wrong. And because that data was wrong, the rest of the data or the rest of the system was now unreliable. Right? There was one part of the system that was unreliable. The reporting was automatic from I don't know, some some manual entry or whatever. But because one part of the system was unreliable, the entire system was now unreliable.
1: Yeah. And think about it like a car, you know? Let's say that you've got a sensor in your car that's supposed to tell you when you've got a problem. Like, let's say the engine light. Mm -hmm. The engine light is there to tell you that, hey, you probably should stop driving this car for a second and try to figure out what's wrong here. But what happens if the engine light goes out? The component's no longer working that indicates that you have a problem Mm
0: -hmm.
1: or it's faulty and it's giving you a false positive or a false negative or something like this. Well, you might think that there's a problem when there isn't, mm-hmm. or you might think that there isn't a problem when there is. And so that's, the, that's the, the, the risk of having data that's inaccurate or irrelevant. You know, you're tracking too many things, stuff that just doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And now you've got all these components and different things that you're spending all this time and your energy but maybe the data is wrong and maybe it's like correlation without causation. You know, Um, you're jumping to conclusions based on something that you see, but you're also assuming that that data is correct. If that's not correct, well, so you start to see how this really snowballs. So if you've got challenges in your business, if you're dealing with, man, I can't quite figure out why we can't get consistency, why month over month we're up, we're down, we're back, we're forth. You know, Maybe it's not even month over month. Maybe it's year over year or it was working for a while and now it's not working. Mm-hmm. What I would advocate is you probably have built more complicated of a system than you need. And maybe you know exactly what the root cause is. Maybe you know exactly what the problem is and you're working to fix it. And I would say that's great. That's kind of the point here. But if you can't quite figure out where your problem is, it's probably because you've taken home too many things. You got too much stuff and you can't figure out where the problem is because you can't even see the floor inside of your house, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, that's I think what we're trying to get at today is hoarder is a little bit of a, potentially an overstatement, right? I don't think that everyone is hoarding to the point that we go into hoarder houses because your business would probably just fail. But, like, if you're heading that direction where you're you're struggling to figure out what's going on, you can't quite tell what the problem is, I can almost guarantee it's because you got too complicated of a system, or you're tracking the wrong things, or you're mm-hmm. paying attention to the wrong leading or lagging indicators.
0: Yeah. Or you're suffering from what I used to suffer was, which was, well, if I get rid of that, I might lose business.
1: Yeah. 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 It's loss aversion. You know, we keep it because... Yeah, but what if I lose this relationship? What if I have to break up with a vendor and they don't like me anymore? Mm-hmm. That's what it was for me. Or what yeah. if, yeah, I, I don't want to let go of that person because uh, I'm attached to them. I, I mm-hmm. care about them. But again, as business owners, if you're trying to build an optimized business, optimized for your goals and your definition of success – What we're suggesting is that you build it to be the most simple system that you can without erring too far on the other side. And again, just back to the whole idea that most businesses die of indigestion. Most businesses go out of business because they can't figure out what the problem was. Mm -hmm. If you can't figure out what the problem was, I can tell you it's probably because you got too many things involved and you can't quite pinpoint what the root cause is.
0: Yeah. So Paul... If someone was going through a situation where they can't figure out pinpoint, is that a good reason to have a conversation with you? This is what we do, man. We we in Whale Club, what we help
1: people do is we help people make better decisions in their business, mm-hmm. frankly. And everybody wants different things. So success means different things to different people. <clears throat> and really what we specialize in is helping people build reliable businesses. We also specialize in helping people take asymmetric bets, right? Big upside plays. And again, if you're a business owner or a CEO, you're making decisions all day throughout your business, Mm -hmm. all day long, all week and all year, small decisions, big decisions and everything in between. Right. And what we're advocating for is, is that the human is always the most unreliable component of every system. Mm -hmm. You know, it's always the case. It's you. It's me. It's, What's going on between our ears? That's the most unreliable component of every system. And so what we help people do is implement these different tools and frameworks, which we talk about. I mean, that's what we talk about on Surgery Talks are these tools and frameworks. So if you like this stuff and you want to build a more reliable business, you got problems, but you can't quite pinpoint where it is. Well, that's what we help people do. We help you work through different tools and frameworks to try to figure out how to navigate these decisions you're making on a daily basis, what to cut. What do we need to add? How do we simplify? How do we do this? How do we do that? So if you're if you're wanting to learn more about how we do that, you can go to realestatecertainty.com. There's a little button up there that says apply. You can schedule a 30-minute call with me. We call it a discovery call. We'll talk about some of your challenges. We'll talk about where you are struggling, if you are struggling, or maybe where you want to grow too. There's a lot of people that do this really well. They've got a, an optimized business. It's highly simple, Um, and, and they're looking to figure out how to take asymmetric bets. How do we get, you know, a lot of upside with big townhouse projects or development or multifamily or whatever that thing is. And so, yeah, if if you're interested in that and, and, you know, you want my two cents on it, you can go to realestatecertainty.com and you can, you can schedule some time with me there.
0: Perfect. Sounds good. So we'll wrap it up here. Thank you guys. Hopefully, you know, we, we, we ruffled a little bit of feathers, but we didn't offend any of you guys that are listening too much that you guys will come back next week. (laughs) So I hope you guys enjoy the show and we'll see you guys next week.